This is a story about promises. It's a story about uh, breaking promises. And it tells us that nothing, it reminds us that nothing, nothing ruins like someone you trust breaking a promise, does it? Nothing ruins us quite like that. The story in, uh, in a nutshell, um, so sometimes Paul's, sometimes Paul's works are, there's some quite highfalutin text in some of these letters and sometimes it's just really earthy, quite gritty, um, everyday stuff. So sometimes at the end of his letters, he just says hello to somebody or bring me my coat. And in here, in this story, it's really about just um, a journey that he should have made that he didn't make. It's about a promise that he should have kept that he didn't keep. So you can see in the text, or you might remember from, um, as Laura read it out, um, that he promised that he would go and visit uh, this church at Corinth. You can sort of see between the lines. He says, I'm going to come and see you on the way to Macedonia. But on the way back, he doesn't come. He breaks the promise. And actually, if you dig around at the, you know, the start of the chunk of that text, you realize it's pretty much for their good. Some of them have done that thing where they've they've messed up, they've pretty much ignored what he've said and and it's been there's been a consequence and he would have been able to have that I told you so moment. You know, it would have been awkward for them and tough tougher for them if he'd have been there. So he says, I'm not gonna go to kind of save them. But what they do is they jump on the broken promise bit. They hold on to that bit. They see that you know, largest and they add that to some general reservations they've got about Paul, you know, some some of the things that he says they don't really like, that kind of thing. And what happens is it sort of escalates out what he's been what he's been teaching them. Um, his message, the essence of his message, becomes undermined uh, to the point even where he's sort of looking, you know, digging around at one and two Corinthians, digging around at the whole text. It looks like the church is wobbling like mad because it's not able to take on board what Paul's saying. Because he's broken a promise. When someone in a position of trust breaks a promise to us, everything, everything that they represent can be undermined, can't it? I don't know if if you go back far enough to remember the May um, 2010 elections. Um, it was the first time we'd really had TV debates, I think, in kind of a big way. And uh, sort of all the leaders sat around, mic'd up sort of for the first time. And this guy called Nick Clegg, um, sort of slightly better looking than everybody else and had a really interesting wife, kind of came from nowhere and had some really, well, at least I thought he had some really smart things to say. And, and in fact, actually, everybody thought he had some smart things to say because they all said, I agree with Nick. Do you remember that phrase? I agree with Nick. And to be honest, I agreed a lot with Nick. I kind of bought into him, trusted him, bought into a little bit the idea of liberal democracy, bought into a little bit, or quite a big bit, into the, the idea of a coalition. I thought, man, we've got quite grown-up government. And then, then he, then he was put into government. And all of those promises that he'd made, do you remember the promises that he'd made? The student tuition fee pledge, that big promise. And he either didn't or couldn't keep it. And because of that, man, the, the, the Lib Dems are still on their way back, aren't they? Or still recovering from that because everything that he said after that was kind of, every, like everything was tarnished because he couldn't keep that, that promise. I think we all get 
we all get a little bit bumped by this the idea of keeping and breaking promises we've probably all had a friend or a colleague or a parent or just somebody that we give a position of trust to that lets us down and we've probably because of the way it's the way that the world is we've probably all made promises too and broken them do you know what i mean we've probably all had that moment loads of us have had that moment where you're faced with somebody who's in your care looking back at you often it can be if you've got kids i get this a lot or i've had this experience i get it a lot where they look up and say dad but you promised have you had that have you had that moment where somebody somebody looks up at you gaze into your eyes holds you as the the person of trust and says but you promised and it feels like in that moment that it's not just that you can't keep the promise to take him to Disneyland or Alton Towers or whatever else it is but it feels like you failed as a human being you know just you can feel you sort of everything within you sort of turns to jelly you've just like got nothing left if if we break big promises if we if we break promises too often, sometimes even if we just break little promises, lots of what we stand for is undermined. And there's the same thing going on with Paul in Corinth. It's exactly the same thing that's going on with Paul in Corinth. And people look at Paul like the electorate looked at Nick Clegg or, or, or kids look at look at parents sometimes and they're saying, can we trust, can we trust anything he's got to say about God? Can we believe any of that at all? And this is where I think, this is where the rubber hits the road for people of faith. People of faith, as people of faith, as somebody of faith, and maybe, you know, maybe you're you're in that same category. We are heavily invested in promise makers. We are heavily invested in the promises of God. And the people at Corinth were sort of rest, were just you know wrestling with this, thinking this through. Needing, needing to think about this, and they're, and they're saying to themselves, "We've, we've given up the goddess Aphrodite. We've dropped, we've dropped that to follow Christ. You know that was a lot of fun. That was a big tourist attraction. That was, you know, that was a there was a lot going on with that. We've given up the security uh, that comes from saying that Caesar is our king. We're vulnerable to, to the Roman Empire and the rest of the world, and we've done all this to trust this." Uh, this guy, this Jesus guy who tells me to be kind and to love other people and to be gentle and to follow, you know, the, the stories of these fishermen. And they just felt incredibly vulnerable because they'd invested so heavily in the promises of God. And it's the same for us. We are people who trust in the promises of God. And it feels, I don't know if you, if you feel the weight of this, it feels sometimes in life like we risk a lot. Like we've got a lot on the line. Like we are heavily invested in something. So when we think about trying to hold on to the promise that God will just will be a just judge and justice will prevail, you know, an ideal that is promoted in the Bible. It's 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 you know promised in the Bible. God's gonna God's got his eye on all of this stuff. He's gonna judge this stuff justly, and we we live our lives out working really hard to see the best in people, trying hard to forgive people. We trust um, God when he says, yeah, I promise you, it's better to be kind, to be humble, to be peaceful. It's better for the whole world if you like that. And we, we, we hold on to this promise and we watch other people 
doing more awesome than us in their careers and getting on and getting on further. And we're looking at it and saying, is that, can I hold on to that promise? We trust this promise that he's redeeming a people that will be like a light to the nations. We trust the promise, you know, the story in the Bible that the church, you know, this, this thing that we are a group of that we go along to every week is going to be, is, no, it's not going to be, is the big game changer for the whole world. It really matters. It's really significant. We trust that. We trust, even in times of sadness, that he's going to wipe away every tear. We, we wait for that. We, we, sit, we, tell, we, we say it to ourselves, we say, God's got this. I need, to, I need to park this and I need to leave this with God. He's going to comfort me in this way. We trust him when he says, I'm going to come back. I'm going to make all things new. And we live our lives out holding on to this, holding on to this trust. And then this is what happens. And I guarantee it's what happens. Somebody will come along as, as you live out this life. Somebody you place all your trust in. Somebody who represents Christianity to you. It could be like some evangelist that you see on the telly or just your your long-standing Christian friend. That Something in, I'm guaranteeing it will happen. And it could be me and it could be Paul or it could be Jude or it could be another, you know, another Christian influence in your life. They'll break a promise and you'll look at, you know, and it could be as simple as, you know, mega church pastor has a fair with secretary, something like that. Or it could be, you know, way more nearer to home. It could be your longstanding Christian friend just hasn't called you in lockdown, something like that. And because of the, because of that promise break, loads of the stuff that you hold on to about your Christian faith feels more fragile. And you'll look at all that you've, all that you've sacrificed and invested in the promises of God. And it feels, it can feel like a risk. That's what's, that's what's going on with Paul in these moments. And here's what he says. So read with me. I don't know if we can pop it up on the screen. It'd be great if we can, or if you want to grab a Bible at home. Here's his, here's his retort to that. And it's really like, read this over as like an acid test, I think, of, of faith. So cut in at, cut in at 15. Uh, because I were confident of this, I wanted to visit you first so that you might benefit twice. I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia and to come back to you from Macedonia and then to let you send me on my way to Judea. So he wanted, he's saying, I wanted to come. Uh, was I fickle when I intended to do this or do I make plans in a worldly manner so that in the same breath I say yes and no? Verse 18, but as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes or no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preaching among you by us, by me, Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no. But in him, it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, check this out, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, their amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. See what Paul says to them? It's brilliant. He says, he says, don't doubt any of it. He says, believe all of it. He says, he says, believe all of it because my message, my character, my purpose, my motivation, even though I mess up, it's 
It's all in him. Everything that drives me is in him, comes from him, stems from him. All that I did with you, all that interaction that I did with you has its root in him. And he is whole. He has always been, yes. And when you said amen, which means, yeah, I'm with you. I agree. When you said amen, what you were saying amen to was not that I was a good fella, but that Jesus, but that this Jesus character, you were agreeing that this Jesus character could supply all of your needs. That is what you were agreeing to. And he's sort of saying to them, if if your hope's just in me, then we're all stuck. But if our hope is in him, then his promises are true. And they're all true. That's what he's saying. That is our hope. So, for us, to hold on to God's promise of justice, to continue to live in light of that even though we look at it and we go man the world's the world's pretty bent out of shape us human beings are way too selfish uh, we've, our prejudice goes back too far we can't shake that off there's no way there's no way god can justify this there's no way this can be made right and actually holding on to a notion like that just makes us look naive the people that hold out for that notion just look naive and they look foolish. And you can easily think that. And then then you see Jesus, who faces the most unjust trial that the world will ever know. And he's totally innocent of all the claims that they publicly shout over his head, yet he stays silent. Only, in fact, really speaking, to beg forgiveness for those who put him there. We see Jesus, someone who even in that moment of like great injustice, even when so many of the people there seek to do him evil and do him harm, he sees everybody equal. He says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Even in that moment, he sees everybody equal who experiences all that hate and he still chooses sacrifice. When we remember that all of our faith is in him and not us, then maybe he can keep that promise. To hold the promise that God is redeeming a people to be a light to the nations. To hold that promise that, that this thing we call church, that we go to every week, that you turn up faithfully to every week, and that you invest lots of your life into, that this is going to be the thing. This is the this is the pointer to a great God. This is a game changer for the whole world. Even though we look round and we see our buildings becoming dance studios or nice flats, and we look round at our own efforts at evangelism and see how like scared we are and how lackluster we are and how half-hearted we are sometimes, and we think. Is God really going to keep this promise? Is this really going to be a thing that points to something amazing? Is this really going to be a game changer for the world? And then then we see Jesus. We see Jesus getting a boat with a few fishermen who can't really even fish very well. And he inspires them and shapes them and influences them to reshape the whole world. When we remember that our faith and our hope is in him then maybe he can keep that promise too we hold the promise 
to hold the promise that he'll wipe each tear from our eyes. There's loads of tears at the moment around the world. And maybe you could argue there kind of always is. It's just that we feel the pinch in the West at the moment like everybody else. We get a sense of that vulnerability. There's so so much sadness. There's, There's so much heartache in the world. Is it is it a bit fanciful to hold out for a promise that God's going to wipe all the tears away? Does that just make us naive? Are we not smarter human beings just to accept and live in light of the fact that life hurts and it ends and it's all done and dusted and then embrace as much revelry and distraction as we can while we're here? Accept we can't. We don't, even in the face of this tearful epidemic, all the people sing, we'll meet again. All the people paint rainbows and stick them on their windows because we hold out for something more. And then we see Jesus when we think about our tears and we see Jesus walk into towns that are completely grief stricken, where illness and injustice reigns like like we don't experience today. And we see people that touch his coat or hear him whisper in their ear to get up and walk out of a tomb. And people and towns and cities never feel the same way about sadness ever again. God keeps his promises. On our own, we need to live, especially if you live with me, but I got a feeling you might be not that dissimilar to me. We've got to live with half-baked, half-kept promises. But in him, the promises are kept. And when we say the promises are kept, we don't just have to pick and choose some of the nice, cosy ones. They're all kept because it's not us, it's in him. The promises are all still there. He loves us still. He watches us still. He waits patiently for us still. He provides for us still. He sustains us still. He intercedes our tired, sleepy prayers still. He comes back. He makes new. He reigns. And we shout and we sing and we praise. He keeps his promises. All of them. To finish, I'm going to I'm going to read out verse 21. Yeah, if you want to read this aloud with me, this is um, this helps us realize why we can have that hope. Now it is God, verse 21. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us. He set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come that's a good guarantee all his promises are yes and amen hi everyone good to be back with you i'm joined by ash and paul <clears throat> and uh, hi guys nice to see you hiya hiya hello um great to 
to have your uh, encouragement to us today, um, Ash. Um, it's such a personal thing, isn't it? I, I feel like we can't get away from how personal promises are uh, mm. because we've all made them and like you were saying, we've all broken them and we've all put trust in people that uh, made promises to us and some of them have kept them and yeah, maybe maybe some of them, them haven't. And so I, I was just wondering, like, have, have you guys got any examples particularly of promises that you felt like God has given you and how what's that look like in your life? Has that helped you through a, a tough time or um, has that been important to you to kind of hold on to God's promises? Is there any that you can share with us? Um, yeah, what's that look like? I'll, I'll jump in uh, and firstly <laughs> say thanks, Ash. That was, that was so helpful. Um, for me, one of the ones that that just keeps coming back and it's come back to me just year on year. It's probably my favorite verse in the Bible. It's Psalm 103 and verse 10 and it says this, he does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Uh, and that, that's like, that for me, you know, when you, you know, when you know who you are yeah, yeah. and and the kind, the impact of who you are, um, and and how overwhelmingly unworthy at times we feel to to have a verse like that and a promise like that. But I was just kind of mulling it over as you were talking, Ash, and I think it, I think probably that verse uh, helps work out. I think what Paul's doing here. Because it was just awesome what you raised at the end that the promises is in Christ. And God makes that promise back in the Psalms and you look at it and you say, well, that's amazing. I'm so thankful for that. But then as, as time goes on, it dawns on you that God's also made all the promises about justice and yeah. the way he will deal with iniquity. And you say, well, how can he do that? How can he, how can he do both of those? Um, and then you realize that Jesus is the answer to that mm. problem. Mm. That, so that Jesus is always the yes in the promise. I, I love that. I mean, what about you guys? What, Ash, what, what's really what, jumped out at you over the years? Yeah, well, that, just to echo that, just that he, 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 who else could keep that promise? Who else could, who else could know all the rubbish and still go, yeah, I'm going to work towards uh, mm. the forgiveness, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to hang on to that for, you know, for you. Nobody else, nobody else offers us that. I think, um, I think more than anything else that he will be with us. I think that was my experience is that I've threatened to walk away from this. Probably, you know, maybe even sought to do it, you know, you, you know, in the past and that, that my, my, inadequate faithfulness was not matched by him i you know he 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 promised he would be with me that and i feel like that that's been true you know i've i've i look mm -hmm. at the i look at the the last verse in that text um it says verse 22 says he anointed us set a set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts and so even in my weakest moments i would say yeah i felt like 
I couldn't get away from the fact that God had called me to something. I couldn't get away from the fact that there was a, you know, that his spirit had shaped and influenced my life. And those were, you know, re present realities that didn't depart, you know. So I think, yeah, that, that promise is born out um, for me. And I'm 40 now. And I look back on, you know, 20 odd years where I've walked with God. And I would say, yep, I can testify to that. You know the truth of that that's mm. borne out he stayed with me when i've threatened to to leave by his grace mm. yeah so that one what about you jude you got yeah i, I mean definitely same, same as you guys there are, there is that those kind of promises that come back to you year in and year out that you just you almost are just feel like you can't run from because you know they just hold you and uh, mm. they're, they're so good but then at the same time uh, one of the beautiful things about being in relationship with God is that he then speaks to you, you know, week in, week out. I was just reminded uh, this week um, by somebody else's testimony and the song that they gave um, was a song called He Will Hold Me Fast. Now, I have a sticky brain for lyrics. I don't think you're the same, are you, Paul? You're not, you don't not like lyrics. Not even close. <laughs> Not even close. You can you can probably find the Bible verse much quicker than I can, but I've got a sticky brain for for lyrics. Maybe it's, and... a, maybe it's a Glasgow thing. Alistair Begg's got a great really. He's he's Glasgow, isn't he? Is he Glasgow? Yeah. He I he loves a hymn. He loves a hymn. Same. <laughs> so the song has just been going round in my head this week. He will hold me fast. He will hold. He will hold me fast. Those he saves are his delight. He will hold me fast and. Mm -hmm. Just like, you know, every, every walk that I've been on, doing lots of walks at the moment, it just keeps coming back in my head, you know, oh, uh, hmm. you know, that just that he will hold me fast. Mm -hmm. Those he saves are his delight, you know, and, and so mm -hmm. that, that salvation story doesn't just shape you on a, on a one moment experience, mm -hmm. but the promise of that salvation story then continues to shape you. Yeah. As you see, you know, like you were saying, Paul, just uh, yeah. our complete ability to destroy things. And, yeah. You know, and... I, I think that's right. And I think that that's God's spirit moving, isn't it? One of the things that amazes me time and time again is you might we might share something on a Sunday and somebody speaks to you at the end. And the spirit has used the text that you've brought from my point of view, in a completely different way to the way that I've, I've used it. <laughs> and that's amazing. And I think that, that that really helps us to see that living within that story of salvation means that different parts of God's word just spring up uh, and speak to us at individual times. And what might be helpful for one person at one particular time might not be helpful for somebody else and mm -hmm. at that particular time but but god's spirit still speaks to us mm -hmm. at moments and and actually you know sitting alongside people maybe who are grieving at this point in time maybe who are who are really troubled fearful i think one of the things that we see god's god in shaping his his team of disciples to do in Jesus. Again and again, they tell the whole of the story of 
God's salvation. And they encourage people to sit in that story and trusting that God's spirit will use that word to speak to them at that moment. I'm thinking about Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch who was troubled as he left Jerusalem, probably because he, who he was, um, he wouldn't have been allowed into the temple. And yet he's still trying to engage with this message. He doesn't understand it. And Philip joins him and he just explains the whole story. Mm. And I think that's that's kind of what we're driving at in a lot of this conversation here, I think, is the story that we sit in, that whole beautiful, amazing work of salvation that God's working out in the world means that a verse back in Psalm 103 that God's people sang thousands of years ago is relevant today because of Jesus. Yeah, and I, that, yeah that, that kind of stuff blows my mind. Yeah. That truths that were true thousands of years ago can yeah. still be true for us. Yeah. New, like that sense where you just like, it feels like it, it's directly to you. It's the same story and yeah. it speaks to you. Yes. Uh, and that that's, that's what I think God encourages us to do with people who we're spending time with in when we when we're with people who are grieving or when we are grieving ourselves is just share your story just share what jesus has meant to you and and trust that god's spirit will use whatever is helpful for that individual at that time just be, just believe that that it's not dependent on us trying to work out exactly how to respond. It's not down to us to work out just the, the perfect answer, but God will do that work. Yeah. Ash, I think, I think for us, the three of us sitting here, we, we're like all in agreement on that kind, on that, on that stuff, mm. but there will be people who are really struggling with feeling like actually God hasn't kept his end of the deal mm -hmm. you know and actually mm -hmm. that, that there's a brokenness that 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 comes with that isn't there of mm -hmm. feeling like God has abandoned you or yeah. you know we we're happy to talk here in this in this little three about you yeah. know God answering prayer or his spirit being mm -hmm. with us what mm -hmm. happens when you feel like that goes and there's you're just on your own and actually you feel yeah. like God's spirit isn't with you and mm. your prayers hit the ceiling and no further and the promises of God seem like words do you know and, and it's and, and it's tough sometimes the Christian voice is or even you know sometimes my Christian voice has been to say to people well you need to have more faith I'm sure I've said that or to try harder you know, or something like that. And hopefully I catch myself now a bit more uh, than I used to do. And because I think there's way, you know, there's way more going on, on than that. I think if you are, mm -hmm. one of the things uh, that I'm aware of now, and I would share with somebody if that's, if that was their circumstance would be that it's a real marker of, of faith. Actually, if you, if you are in that struggle where you're really without, you know, the promises of, um, you feel like you don't, you're not experiencing the promises of God. 
Because I think there's a real danger with, with that as well, what we understand to be the promises of God and what we hope for. And even often as Christians, what we share, we say, you know, I'm blessed because I've got this. This is the promises of God lavished on me. I think we've got to be really careful with how we how we understand all of that stuff and even how we reflect all of that stuff. But at the same time, I think if you're in that struggle, one of the first things I would say, I wouldn't say try harder, have more faith. I'd say this is probably a real marker that you are you have a genuine faith and you are really, you know, you're really wrestling this out, really working it out. What about you, Paul? Yeah, I think um, a few things jump jump into my mind. One is that sense of abandonment that sense of um, lostness Jesus exhibits. Mm. So, so he's in the garden and grappling with what the next 24 hours are going to unfold. And he ends up on the cross saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm. So in a, in, in a strange way, the, the hopelessness that we feel, we have a kindred spirit in Jesus who has been there. Um, and then Paul speaks in Romans, which is another huge encouragement, I think, that when we are in that bleakness and we don't feel as if we can say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me in any sort of prayerful sense, we're promised that the Holy Spirit who dwells within us prays in our behalf when we're left with nothing. And that's what it means to be indwelt by the living God, that when we are, when we're done, when we're spent, when there is nothing left that we can bring, Jesus has always gone further and has always triumphed mm. so that us in him means that we can live. And us in him means that we can have hope. And I think one of the one of the answers, I think, in that situation is we assume that the Christian faith always has an answer to make everything right. <laughs> um, there's times when it doesn't this side of eternity. There's times when it might not be right the countless Christian martyrs of the, during the Roman persecution did not know things being right in this world, but they had a hope. And every believer since then through to today, where the world hasn't worked out the way they'd hoped or situations don't appear to be, and it's a great point you made earlier, Ash, about the, the idea that we invest what we think God's promises are into specific situations and assume that that's the outcome that it should be and therefore God's let us down. Mm. Um, th there is hope. He is the yes, mm. because ultimately our hope is in resurrection. When I first heard that song, though, I did think, I remember hearing it, um, yeah, I remember hearing it on some praise and worship um, some prison worship celebration and thinking that can't be that can't be quite right <laughs> or you know just in my cynical there must you know conservatism in me to go what all the this is you know enough cynicism that just that spilled out of me and then 
I thought I'll check this out, and then you find the verse, and you realise that this is not, you know they're not spinning a yarn. This is this is holding fast to the promises of God, and we can have you know whether it's the other side of eternity or this side of eternity, we we hold we hold on to you know hold on to that stuff. And, and I love I love the lyric in in the song, and I think it kind of sums up some of what you're both saying that actually it's not about us trying to keep the promises of God. We rest in the promises of God. Mm. Do you know mm. that actually that's not something we have to strive for. It's not mm. our work. It's God's work. Yeah. So actually yeah. we can sit back and rest in the promises of God. And at times that feels lonely and at times that feels hard and and silent almost. Mm. But the faithfulness is God's. Mm. He is the one mm. who is faithful. And yes. that is that's the trust exercise, isn't it? I guess. Yeah. yeah. The, the, uh, that, that's why we you know, Paul says the promises of God, yes and amen. And that's amazing. It's yes. And then he says amen. We say that so often, it's like, what does that what what's he saying? It's saying it is so. I agree with this. This is truth. So, so you know, we all say amen at the end of somebody praying, even in this strange forum that church is operating on today. You know, you pray and then somebody says amen at the end and we say amen in all of our individual homes and we're saying, yes, what you have just said is truth to me. I embrace that. I say this is true now for me. And that's that's a great answer to a question that came in. I don't know if everyone clocked that. I don't know if you knew you were doing that, Paul, but that was a you gave you gave an in and amongst what you just said there about the word um, amen. You give a an answer. Just did, to, I, did, I, did you did you know? That, no, that I, was I, smooth. But, oh yeah. yeah. Um, Good. I think I'm kind of um I'm aware that some of what we're talking about today is just not something that you would share on Facebook. Um, and especially if um, you're having a time of doubt and you know that that's a, a, a real struggle, like a real struggle for you. And we, we know that that can be. Can I just encourage you that Ash and I are around during the week and, um, and Paul's around if you want to chat to him, but we would really love to walk some of that with you. We are not in the business of uh, given you an answer <laughs> that mm. makes everything okay but mm. we would love to walk that with you and keep reminding you of that salvation story um and and placing you in that um, by by means of caring with you so if you'd like to get in touch with the pastoral team during the week you want to drop us an email or a text then please do that 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 gives us great joy to be able to share some of those painful roads with you so um we, we would really like to do to do that with you. I'm reminded of um, of Jacob, who wrestled with God until he was blessed. He just kept wrestling until he was blessed. He's like, I'm not going to walk away, God, <laughs> mm -hmm. and until you bless mm -hmm. me. So, be encouraged in your wrestle. Um, ask God to bless you, um, mm -hmm. and yeah, please get in touch if you need us. Okay. Ash, would you like to just uh, close in prayer for us, please? Sure. Thanks for listening, uh, everybody. Hope you have a great, um, yeah, a great rest of the day, and stay safe. Let's just bow and let's.
let's give thanks to our Father. Father, we give you great thanks that all of your promises are yes and amen. Uh, Father, so we say forgive us when we when we don't hold any of them dear. And we live in a world that is where your promises don't always seem as near as we'd want them. And we are, we have to ha accept that we live there. Um, but as your people, as people you have equipped to pray, as people you have allowed relationship with you, we seek out uh, faithfulness. Point us back uh, to remind us as we, as we doubt and as we struggle and as we wrestle like Jacob, um, that all this gets wrapped up in the story of Jesus. Father, we're thankful that we are part of that story. Father, we ask that you would help us by your spirit to remind us of your son so that we don't drift off from those fearful promises. Uh, help us by your spirit to remind us of your son so that we don't make up promises that we think are yours. Help us just to really read in on what you've told us that you're going to do and hang on to that truth. Uh, yeah, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 See you, everyone. Thanks, everyone. See you. Thanks, guys. See you soon.